Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Good morning in America and afternoon overseas. This is Arthur Burley Martin, Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. I'm podcasting live. I'm on YouTube live and I'm on Facebook live. And I want to say welcome everyone. Again, I'm excited about another good day today that the Lord has made. I'm so glad to be alive and living in it. Thank you, Lord. I got an early day today. Got a lot of stuff to do, so I'm getting an early start. I told you yesterday I didn't know where I was going to start. Guess what? We're going to start on Exodus chapter 1. I love the book of Exodus. Exodus, deliverance. We all had an Exodus, right? Um, My Exodus, your Exodus is your testimony. What happened to you when when the Lord delivered you. That's your exodus, exodus, sick deliverance. I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited about today again, today. Today is a good day that the Lord has made. I was just inviting a few people in. Thank you, Lord. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. We get ready to start. second, one minute, one moment. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for being in the midst of us, for being amongst us. You said we're two or three are joined together. There you are right here with us, Lord God. Father, we just give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Father, we ask that you fill us to overflow, that you ignite a fire in within our belly. Set us ablaze, set us on fire, Lord, that nothing or no one will be able to quench our hunger, our thirst, and our desire for you, Lord God. And Father, we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise, and we ask that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit of the living God is saying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we're getting ready to start. We're getting ready to start. Okay, here we go, guys. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Thank you, Lord. Exodus chapter 1. We're getting ready. This is my way of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm acknowledging him. Father, we acknowledge you again today in all of our ways. Asking that you lead God and direct our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Glory. We're talking about the Israelites in Egypt. This is what we're going to talk about. Exodus. I love Exodus. This is uh, Leandra and Lawrence. Donald Lawrence say this is our Exodus. This is our Exodus. This was their Exodus. My Exodus was the day I accepted Jesus Christ when he interrupted my life and I had a Damascus Street experience. That was my Exodus. Right? 
Good morning, good morning, good morning. We're on Exodus chapter 1, NLT. Thank you, Lord. It says, these are the names of the sons of Israel, that is Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their fathers, each with his family, Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebel, Benjamin, Dan, Nephiah, Gag, and Asher. And all Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. Just the next generation, right? You know, this is my purpose for doing this too. I'm trying to leave a spiritual legacy. I want to leave a spirit. I want to die empty. I don't. I don't want there to be another um, word of encouragement, another Bible verse, another unwritten book, another unsung song, another unwritten poem, and nothing. I want to die empty. I want to. I want to be able to say that I fought the good fight of faith. That I finished the course. And at the end of the day, the only reward I really want is from the Lord when He says, "Job well." job well done my good and faithful servant enter into my rest that's my motive for the mission that's my motive God is my goal and I'm just like a child who wants to please their father I want to please my father thank you Lord I mean that's that's my push that's my drive I just want them to say at the end of it all job well done Right, job, and um, and my prayer is that the word of the Lord never departs from our house. That the word of the Lord it should never depart from our house. That our descendants and our children and our children's children that the word of the Lord will be in their mouth. That the word of the Lord will be in their belly. That it will set them ablaze and it will set them on fire. It says, in time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, our, our descendants are coming after us, but their descendants, what, what, what we're going to leave behind for them, but their descendants, the Israelite has many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and they filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumbered us and are stronger than we are. They were intimidated. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. He was intimidated by their presence. He was intimidated by the people. He said, we got to suppress them. We got to oppress them. We got a way. We got to find a way <laughs> to institute some kind of law where we can stop their productivity, uh, their reproductivity. Verse 11, so the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. Hmm. Because they feared them, they had to control them. And people who fear you will try to control you. Oh, don't let anyone control you. Control is not from the Lord, okay? Uh, he said, they appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labors. They was trying to break them. He said, they forced them to build the cities of Pentham and Ramsey as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread and, and um, the more alarmed the Egyptians became. They could not stop God, but the more the Egyptians, um, okay, but the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy, trying to crush them, trying to break them. It said they made their lives bitter 
forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Jesus, we see their motive for their mission was because they were treating them like that because they was intimidated by them. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Sophia and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, he wants to kill the head. He said, if the baby is a boy, they want to make the home... They want to make the home headless. They want to kill the male seed, right? It says, if the baby is a boy, he said, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives, they fear God, they refuse to obey the king's order because they fear God more than they fear men, right? They fear God more than they fear man. And when when, um, man's laws are contrary to God's laws, then it's better to obey God than to obey man, right? But they feared God more than they feared the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? Because we want to kill the male seed. We want to kill, cut off the head. Because the head, the man is the head and in the head is the vision. We want to cut off the male seed. We want to imprison the male seed. We want to um, disable the male seed the devil is still after the male seed um verse 19 it says the hebrew women are not like the egyptian women the midwives replied they are more vigorous and have their baby so quickly that we cannot get there in time so god was good to the midwives and the israelites continued to multiply growing more and more powerful and because the midwives feared god he gave them families of their own look at the favor of the lord Look at the favor of the Lord because they refused to do what the devil want and they said yes to what God want. He said the mid, because the midwives fear God, he gave them families of their own. It's better to obey God than to obey man when what they're asking you to do is contrary to what the word of the Lord tells us to do. Never be afraid to do what's right. It for it's better to suffer for doing the right thing than for doing the wrong thing the word of the Lord tells us this, right? 22, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. You want to make them headless, defenseless. You want to, um, these, you know, uh, make them single parents, single parents, right? That's what he wants to do. He wants to kill the male seed. He's intimidated by the male seed. He's always trying to abort the male seed. Verse 2, it says Exodus chapter 2, about this time a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it amongst the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. She put the baby in the basket and she just released him by faith down the Nile River. What about the alligators? What about, she put, by faith, she released her babies. And by faith, we're going to have to release our babies. By faith, we're going to have to trust God to provide for them. We're going to have to trust God to take care of them. We're going to have to believe that that work that God began in their life, he's able to bring it to completion. We're going to, you know, one thing that gives me peace um, 
at night when I sleep. Because, you know, when your children are little and young, you can control where they go, what they do, who their friends are, and all this kind of stuff. But then when they become grown and start living on their own, you no longer have that authority anymore, right? So the, the, thing, that I, the thing that gives me comfort is knowing that even though I'm not there, <laughs> that God is there. And you know that God loves our children, our grandchildren. He loves our family. He loves people, period, more than we can even think or ask. I mean, his love is perfect and his love is unconditional because God is love. Love is who God is. And see, he just loves them because of who he is and not because of how they are. Agape love is unconditional. It's not performance-based. God is love. That's who he is. I love you because that's who I am. I can't help myself. Love is who I am. I love you, not because of you, but I love you because love is who I am. And this is the kind of love the Lord has said. I, I want you to, when he who, who has love is known by God, but he who does not love is not from God and does not know God, right? This is why God said, I never knew you, you wicked, of, um, you worker of iniquity. He was saying, I never knew you because you did not have love because you was a worker of, a worker of iniquity right? You didn't serve me. You didn't love me because the way we prove our love for God is by our obedience to God. Remember, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So at this time, a man, so she, she released her baby. She released her baby. Really by faith, she released her baby. She released her baby. Um, but when she could no longer hide him, she put him in the basket and she waterproofed the verse four. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, verse five. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to the bat, uh, to bathe in the river, and her attendant walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. God gave him favor, put the favor of God on the baby, because all the male seeds were supposed to be annihilated, right? But God caused her to have compassion on him. The baby, the boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. The favor of God is already on him, right? Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed it. And she got paid for taking care of her own baby. Look at the Lord. She re she released her baby by faith. And God brought her baby right back to her. Caused her to be the baby's nurse and paid her. <laughs> when your ways please the Lord. She released her baby in faith you know that work that god began in our children's lives that work he's able to bring it to completion and train up a child when he's old and he, when he get old he won't depart the work that the lord began in us he's able to bring it to completion here she released her baby into the world by faith we have to release because god loves our children more than we do and children are reward from the lord and children are lent to us i remember the um I remember the first time the Lord told me, he said, you're my babysitter. <laughs> I was, he said, you my babysitter. <laughs> 
And I, when he gave me this revelation, man, my children became my mission. I promise you. My, my children became my mission. When he gave me the revelation that I was just a babysitter. They, they came, my children came from the Lord. The word of the Lord says that children are a reward from the Lord. And I thought when he said to me that I was the babysitter, oh my God, that what that meant to me is, oh, how he must trust me. Because we know we don't just trust our children with anyone, right? So children, they're a reward from the Lord because God is the one that he's the giver of life, right? He, he said before the foundations of the world, he already knew us. He, he knitted us together in our mother's womb. God is the giver of life and children are a reward from the Lord. So he said I was his babysitter and I was like, oh my God, he really must trust me. Trust me five times with five of his kids. So understanding and knowing that we're just the babysitter, that they're not ours. Um, we're the parental guide, guardians in the earth to train them up, to teach them, to admonishing them, teaching them in the ways of the Lord, right? Um, the, and we have to um, understand that the same way we understand this, how important it is to send our children off to get a physical, a natural education, it's even just, as, it's more important that they have a spiritual education. We got to have that same drive the same way we get up and take them to the physical school is the same way we got to get up and take them to the spiritual school right we have to emphasize god we have to let our children know just how important he is because without him we don't we're not going to be heaven bound but we're going to be hell bound we must be born again i know we like to think that everybody goes to heaven but this is not true uh it's an urgency for me even now even though i took my children faithfully when they were little they went to sunday they went to wednesday um i try to have them as in there as much as i could because when the lord gave me the revelation that i was the babysitter i was like oh my god this is my responsibility it's my responsibility to see that my children have a relationship with the lord it's my responsibility to understand to make sure that they know who he is so they won't grow up in this world without hope because even if they stray away they're going to still know that they're not hopeless they know they're going to remember god my prayer is lord always let my children remember you because i'm not talking about i don't want them to be religious. I don't want them to just go to church. I want them to serve the Lord. I want them to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Acts 16 31 says, we believe not only shall we be saved, but our household also. Are you believing God for your children deliverance? It's not just enough that they have money, that they have a college degree, a good education, that they live good moral lives. We need all that, but that's not enough because Jesus told Nicodemus, fairly, verily, I say unto thee, you must be born again. We have to emphasize to our children the same way we emphasize the education, the marriage, the, all the other things of this world. We definitely, if we don't tell our children about Christ, we have failed them in everything. We have failed them in life because if we don't teach our children about the Lord Jesus Christ and when they leave this side and they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, we they're not automatically going to heaven. We must be born again. We must be born again. We must accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we have to pass that message on to our children. And I tell you, I'm still preaching to them. I'm still encouraging them. I'm still saying, if you stray away, you need to come back to the Father's house. 
you know, we need to get back in fellowship with him. Now is not the time to backslide. Right? Now is not the time. But if God is not important to you, then he's He's not going to be important to your children if, if you don't emphasize. If you don't emphasize it. You know, I always tell people that the, uh, the most important thing that my mother ever told me was that I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. That's the, out of everything she ever told me, that was the most important word. That was the most important thing she could have ever told me. And my greatest accomplishment in life is the day that I accepted Jesus Christ. That's my greatest accomplishment in life was when I said yes to the, that's the greatest decision. That's the best decision I ever made in my entire life because I understand it doesn't matter how many rewards, how many degrees, how many, uh, nothing, applause, none of that. How good I am morally or whatever, how law abiding I am, we need all of that. But at the end of the day, if I don't didn't accept Jesus Christ, when I leave this side, I wasn't gonna go to heaven. I wasn't. I didn't have my reservations. I didn't have my fire insurance. You know, we got this life insurance, um, but we do. Do we have our heavenly life insurance? We must tell our children. We must emphasize Christ. We must, because if not, we have done them the greatest injustice, and we must release them to the Father by faith, knowing that God loves them more than we love them. If you got a loved one in prison, don't worry. Cast that care. Make sure you sleep good at night because God is in the prison. (laughs) He's everywhere, right? He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. That's a good thing. That's, That's what I love about the Lord because when I can't be there, he's always there watching over. So she released her baby. The Hebrew woman that she found her, had her nurse to take her the baby in the morning right back to his mama. We know the baby is Moses, right? And she got paid for taking care of her own child because she feared God more than she feared man. Verse eight, yes, do the prince replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take the baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby mother, I will pay you for help for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. The Lord brought her baby back to her. Verse 10, he says, later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to the Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Thank you, Lord. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now when the priests of Midian had seven daughters who came as as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flock. But some other shepherd came and chased him away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girl from the shepherd. Then he drew water for their flock. When the girls returned to, to Raul, their father, he asked, why are you back so soon today? 
An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered. Then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he, their father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Thank you, Lord. It's all a divine setup, right? It's all a divine setup because God is a God of purpose. He does everything on purpose for a purpose with his good purpose in mind. Now, he done introduced him to this family. He was just trying to do a good deed, but God is getting ready to reward him for his good deed because he was homeless. He had to leave everything that was familiar to him. He was cast out of his season so God could bring him into his purpose and in the natural just looked all bad I mean you you're on the run you considered a murderer and you're on the run and you have nowhere to go it's not like today you know uh so he good did a good deed and God rewarded him he, verse 20 he said then where is he the father asked why did you leave him there invite him to come and eat with us 21. There he's getting ready to be rewarded for his acts of kindness, right? 21. Moses accepted the invitation and he settled there with him. In time, Rule gave Moses' daughter Zephora to be his wife. Later, she gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom for he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Hmm. We're foreigners. <laughs> We're just passing through. We're sojourners. This is not our home. Like we understand, don't don't get attached to this world because this is not our home. We're just passing through. 23, it says, years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They begin to groan. Some of you might be stuck in situations and you're saying, Lord, help me. When is this gonna end? This is heavy. When is this gonna be over? I remember when I was in a situation and I would just cry out to the Lord and I said, Lord, the same way you heard the children of Israel prayers and you delivered them, Lord, I'm praying for you and I need you to show me a way out of Egypt. Egypt meaning bondage. Do you need deliverance for something? What is it? What is it that's holding you back? What is it that causes you to only lift your hand halfway and not all the way? What is it that's keeping you from being able to totally surrender? Maybe you're in an abusive relationship. I don't, I don't know what it is, but what is it? Maybe you're addicted to something and you need an exodus. You need deliverance. You need to be able to see your way out of the situation. But I just want you to know that the same way that the Israelites continue to groan under their burden of slavery, they cried out to help and their cries rose up to God. That's how I'm telling you, I had an exodus experience. I had an, I, I mean, I, I, I would just cry on the inside, Lord, I need to show me a way out. Give me, a, ex, give me an exodus. The same way you led the children of Israel out of bondage. Give me my exodus. Show me my exodus. Don't miss your exits. Don't miss your way of escape because God always gives us a way of escape. Don't miss your doors of opportunity. Don't miss your exodus. With every temptation, God gives us a way of escape. So people say, you know, God won't put any more on you than you can bear, right? They're really getting that from that scripture where it talks about there's no temptation, which is not common unto man. But with the un with temptation, God will always give us a way of escape. God will give us a way of escape. God will give us a way of escape. Look for your exit and take the exit. Take the exit. 
all your ducks might not always be lined up in a row because you know uh, Moses had to make an emergency exit. He's on the run. He didn't have time to plot and plan and um, pack. For, he didn't have time to pack for the journey. Um, he didn't have no job set up in place. I wouldn't say do this only if the Lord leads you, right? Um, but he just had to flee. He was cast out of that season. <laughs> it wasn't anything planned. He didn't even know anyone saw what he did, right? Um, it's a, they cry out for help and, they, and their, their cries rose to the Lord and God hears your cries. He hears your cries. He hears your cries for your children deliverance. He hears your cries for your deliverance. I'm telling you that God hears your cry. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. How many of you know that those prayers that you're praying for your children, those prayers that you're praying for your loved ones, just those prayers that you're praying, period. Even when you go on those prayers, God still has to watch over that word to perform it because God is saying, listen here, I remember the promise that I made with Abraham. I'm going to do it because of your mother's prayer. I remember the promise because I told her that if she believed, not only would she be saved. Good morning, Tammy. We're reading Exodus chapter 2. I told her if she believe not only would she be saved but I would save her entire household and even though she did not live to see the promise to to see the promise manifested I still had to do what I said because he who promised is faithful so it's that God heard their groaning he heard their groaning what are you groaning about what are you interceding for what is it that's vexing you God heard their groaning. He heard they crying out to him, Lord, when will you deliver us from Egypt? When will you deliver us from bondage? When will you deliver me from this abuse? When will you deliver me from this lack? When I don't know what is it. What is it? What is it that makes you groan? That make that just cringes you on the inside. What is it that you're groaning out? You're interceding. You're crying out to the Lord. Well, your prayers have rose before the Lord, and He hears the prayers. And your day of Exodus is near. Also, your day of deliverance is near. Also, it says God heard their groanings, and He remembered His covenant promises to Abraham. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Good morning in America and afternoon overseas. This is Dr. Burley Martin, Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. I'm podcasting live. I'm on YouTube live and I'm on Facebook live. And I want to say welcome everyone. Again, I'm excited about another good day today that the Lord has made. I'm so glad to be alive and living in it. Thank you, Lord. I got an early day today. Got a lot of stuff to do, so I'm getting an early start. I told you yesterday I didn't know where I was going to start. Guess what? We're going to start on Exodus chapter 1. I love the book of Exodus. Exodus, deliverance. We all had an Exodus, right? Um, My Exodus, your Exodus is your testimony. What happened to you when when the Lord delivered you. That's your exodus, exodus, deliverance. I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited about today, again today. Today is a good day that the Lord has made. I was just inviting a few people in. Thank you, Lord. Here we go.
go, here we go, here we go, here we go. We're getting ready to start. One second, one minute, one moment. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for being in the midst of us, for being amongst us. You said we're two or three are joined together. There you are right here with us, Lord God. Father, we just give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Father, we ask that you fill us to overflow, that you ignite a fire in, within our belly. Set us ablaze. Set us on fire, Lord. That nothing or no one will be able to quench our hunger, our thirst, and our desire for you, Lord God. And Father, we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise, and we ask that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit of the living God is saying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we're getting ready to start. We're getting ready to start. Okay, here we go, guys. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Thank you, Lord. Exodus chapter 1. We're getting ready. This is my way of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm acknowledging him. Father, we acknowledge you again today in all of our ways. Asking that you lead God and direct our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Glory. We're talking about the Israelites uh, in Egypt. This is what we're going to talk about. Exodus. I love Exodus. This is uh, Leandra and Lawrence, Donald Lawrence say this is our exodus. This is our exodus. This was their exodus. My exodus was the day I accepted Jesus Christ when he interrupted my life and I had a Damascus Street experience. That was my exodus, right? Good morning, good morning, good morning. We're on Exodus chapter 1, NLT. Thank you, Lord. It says, these are the names of the sons of Israel, that is Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their fathers, each with his family, Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebel, Benjamin, Dan, Nephi, Gag, and Asher. And all Jacob has 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. This is the next generation, right? You know, this is my purpose for doing this too. I'm trying to leave a spiritual legacy. I want to leave a spirit. I want to die empty. I don't. I don't want there to be another um, word of encouragement, another Bible verse, another unwritten book, another unsung song, another unwritten poem, and nothing. I want to die empty. I want to. I want to be able to say that I fought the good fight of faith. That I finished the course. And at the end of the day, the only reward I really want is from the Lord when He says, "Job well." job well done my good and faithful servant enter into my rest that's my motive for the mission that's my motive god is my goal and i'm just like a child who wants to please their father i want to please my father thank you lord i mean that's that's my push that's my drive 
I just want them to say at the end of it all, job well done, right, job. And, and my prayer is that the word of the Lord never departs from our house, that the word of the Lord, it should never depart from our house, that our descendants and our children and our children, children, that the word of the Lord will be in their mouth, that the word of the Lord will be in their belly, that it will set them ablaze and it will set them on fire. It says in time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation, but their descendants, our, our descendants are coming after us, but their descendants, what, what, what we're going to leave behind for them, but their descendants, the Israelite has many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and they filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumbered us and are stronger than we are. They were intimidated. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. He was intimidated by their presence. He was intimidated by their people. He said, we got to suppress them. We got to oppress them. We got a way. We got to find a way <laughs> to institute some kind of law where we can stop their productivity, uh, their reproductivity. Verse 11. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. Hmm. Because they feared them, they had to control them. And people who fear you will try to control you. Oh, don't let anyone control you. Control is not from the Lord, okay? Uh, he said, they appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labors. They was trying to break them. He said, they forced them to build the cities of Pentham and Ramsey as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread and, and um, the more alarmed the Egyptians became. They could not stop God, but the more the Egyptians, um, okay, but the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy, trying to crush them, trying to break them. It said they made their lives bitter forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Jesus, we see their motive for their mission was because they were treating them like that because they was intimidated by them. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Sophia and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, he wants to kill the head. He said, if the baby is a boy, they want to make the home, they want to make the home headless. They want to kill the male seed, right? It says, if the baby is a boy, he said, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives, they fear God, they refuse to obey the king's order because they fear God more than they fear men, right? They fear God more than they fear man. And when, when, um, man's laws are contrary to God's laws, then it's better to obey God than to obey man, right? But they fear God more than they fear the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? Because we want to kill the male seed. We want to kill, cut off the head because the head, the man is the head and then the head is the vision. We want to cut off the male seed we want to imprison the male seed we want to um 
disable the male seed. The devil is still after the male seed. Um, verse 19, it says, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. The midwives replied, they are more vig vigorous and have their baby so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Look at the favor of the Lord. Look at the favor of the Lord. Because they refused to do what the devil want, and they said yes to what God wants. He said, the mid, because the midwives fear God, he gave them families of their own. It's better to obey God than to obey man when what they're asking you to do is contrary to what the word of the Lord tells us to do. Never be afraid to do what's right. It, for it's better to suffer for doing the right thing than for doing the wrong thing, the word of the Lord tells us this, right? 22, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. You want to make them headless, defenseless. You want to, um, you know, uh, make them single parents, single parents, right? That's what he wants to do. He wants to kill the male. See, so he's intimidated by the male seed. He's always trying to abort the male seed. Verse 2, it says, Exodus chapter 2, about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it amongst the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. She put the baby in the basket and she just released him by faith down the Nile River. What about the alligators? What about, she put, by faith, she released her babies. And by faith, we're going to have to release our babies. By faith, we're going to have to trust God to provide for them. We're going to have to trust God to take care of them. We're going to have to believe that that work that God began in their life, he's able to bring it to completion. We're going to, you know, one thing that gives me peace um, at night when I sleep, because, you know, when your children are little and young, you can control where they go, what they do, who their friends are, and all this kind of stuff. But then when they become grown and start living on their own, you no longer have that authority anymore, right? So the, the thing that I, the thing that gives me comfort is knowing that even though I'm not there, <laughs> that God is there. And you know that God loves our children, our grandchildren. He loves our family. He loves people, period, more than we can even think or ask. I mean, his love is perfect and his love is unconditional because God is love. Love is who God is. And see, he just loves them because of who he is and not because of how they are. Agape love is unconditional. It's not performance-based. God is love. That's who he is. I love you because that's who I am. I can't help myself. Love is who I am. I love you, not because of you, but I love you because love is who I am. And this is the kind of love the Lord has said. I, I want you to, he who, who has love is known by God, but he who does not love is not from God and does not know God, right? This is why God said, I never knew you, you wicked, of, um, you worker of iniquity. He was saying, I never knew you because you did not have love because you was a worker of, a worker of iniquity right? You didn't serve me. You didn't love me because the way we prove our love for God is by our obedience to God. Remember, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
So at this time, Amanda, so she, she released her baby. She released her baby. Really by faith, she released her baby. She released her baby. Um, but when she could no longer hide him, she put him in the basket and she waterproofed it. Verse four, the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, verse five, soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to the bat, uh, to bathe in the river and her attendant walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. God gave him favor, put the favor of God on the baby. Because all the male seeds were supposed to be annihilated, right? But God caused her to have compassion on him. The baby, the boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. The favor of God is already on him, right? Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed it. She got paid for taking care of her own baby. Look at the Lord. She re she released her baby by faith, and God brought her baby right back to her. God started to be the baby's nurse and paid her. <laughs> when your ways please the Lord. <laughs> she released her baby in faith you know that work that god began in our children's lives that work he's able to bring it to completion and train up a child when he's old and he, when he get old he won't depart the work that the lord began in us he's able to bring it to completion here she released her baby into the world by faith we have to release because uh, god loves our children more than we do and children are reward from the lord and children are lent to us i remember the um I remember the first time the Lord told me, he said, you're my babysitter. <laughs> he said, you're my babysitter. <laughs> and I, when he gave me this revelation, man, my children became my mission. I promise you. My, my children became my mission. When he gave me the revelation that I was just a babysitter. They, they came, my children came from the Lord. The word of the Lord says that children are a reward from the Lord. And I thought when he said to me that I was the babysitter, oh my God, that what that meant to me is, oh, how he must trust me. Because we know we don't just trust our children with anyone, right? So children, they're a reward from the Lord because God is the one that he's the giver of life, right? He, he said before the foundations of the world, he already knew us. He, he knitted us together in our mother's womb. God is the giver of life and children are a reward from the Lord. So he said I was his babysitter and I was like, oh my God, he really must trust me. Trust me five times with five of his kids. So understanding and knowing that we're just the babysitter, that they're not ours. Um, we're the parental guide, guardians in the earth to train them up, to teach them, admonishing them, teaching them in the ways of the Lord, right? Um, and we have to um, understand that the same way we understand this, how important it is to send our children off to get a physical, a natural education, it's even just, as, it's more important that they have a spiritual education. We got to have that same 
drive, the same way we get up and take them to the physical school is the same way we got to get up and take them to the spiritual school, right? We have to emphasize God. We have to let our children know just how important he is because without him, we're not going to be heaven bound, but we're going to be hell bound. We must be born again. I know we like to think that everybody goes to heaven, but this is not true. Uh, it's an urgency for me. Even now, even though I took my children faithfully when they were little, they went to Sunday, they went to Wednesday. Um, I try to have them as, in there as much as I could because when the Lord gave me the revelation that I was the babysitter, I was like, oh my God, this is my responsibility. It's my responsibility to see that my children have a relationship with the Lord. It's my responsibility to understand, to make sure that they know who he is so they won't grow up in this world without hope because even if they stray away, they're going to still know that they're not hopeless. They know they're going to remember God. My prayer is, Lord, always let my children remember you because I'm not talking about, I don't want them to be religious. I don't want them to just go to church. I want them to serve the Lord. I want them to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Acts 16 31 says, we believe not only shall we be saved, but our household also. Are you believing God for your children deliverance? It's not just enough that they have money, that they have a college degree, a good education, that they live good moral lives. We need all that, but that's not enough because Jesus told Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto thee, you must be born again. We have to emphasize to our children the same way we emphasize the education, the marriage, the, all the other things of this world. We definitely, if we don't tell our children about Christ, we have failed them in everything. We have failed them in life because if we don't teach our children about the Lord Jesus Christ and when they leave this side and they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, we they're not automatically going to heaven. We must be born again. We must be born again. We must accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we have to pass that message on to our children. And I tell you, I'm still preaching to them. I'm still encouraging them. I'm still saying if when they, you stray away, you need to come back to the Father's house. You know, we need to get back in fellowship with him. Now is not the time to backslide. Right? Now is not the time. But if God is not important to you, then he's He's not going to be important to your children if, if you don't emphasize. If you don't emphasize it. You know, I always tell people that the, uh, the most important thing that my mother ever told me was that I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. That's the, out of everything she ever told me, that was the most important word. That was the most important thing she could have ever told me. And my greatest accomplishment in life is the day that I accepted Jesus Christ. That's my greatest accomplishment in life was when I said yes to the, that's the greatest decision. That's the best decision I ever made in my entire life because I understand it doesn't matter how many rewards, how many degrees, how many, uh, nothing, applause, none of that. How good I am morally or whatever, how law abiding I am, we need all of that. But at the end of the day, if I don't didn't accept Jesus Christ, when I leave this side, I wasn't gonna go to heaven. I wasn't. I didn't have my reservations. I didn't have my fire insurance. You know, we got this life insurance, um, but we do. Do we have our heavenly life insurance? We must tell our children. We must emphasize Christ. 
We must, because if not, we have done them the greatest injustice and we must release them to the Father by faith, knowing that God loves them more than we love them. If you got a loved one in prison, don't worry, cast that care. Make sure you sleep good at night because God is in the prison. <laughs> He's everywhere, right? He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time time that's a good thing that's that's what i love about the lord because when i can't be there he's always there watching over so she released her baby the hebrew woman that she found her had her nurse to take her the baby in the born right back to his mama we know the baby is moses right and she got paid for taking care of her own child because she feared god more than she feared man verse eight yes do the prince replied so the girl went and called the baby's mother take the baby and nurse him for me the princess told the baby mother i will pay you for help for your help so the woman took her baby home and nursed him the lord brought her baby back to her verse 10 he says later when the boy was older his mother brought him back to the pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son the princess named him moses for she explained i lifted him out of the water thank you lord many years later when moses had grown up he went out to visit his own people the hebrews and he saw how hard they were forced to work during his visit he saw an egyptian beating one of his fellow hebrews after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started to fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now when the priests of Midian had seven daughters who came as, a, as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flock. But some other shepherd came and chased him away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girl from the shepherd. Then he drew water for their flock. When the girls returned to, to Raul, their father, he asked, Why are you back so soon today? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered. Then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he, their father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Thank you, Lord. It's all a divine setup, right? It's all a divine setup because God is a God of purpose. He does everything on purpose for a purpose with his good purpose in mind. Now, he done introduced him to this family. He was just trying to do a good deed, but God is getting ready to reward him for his good deed because he was homeless. He had to leave everything that was familiar to him. He was cast out of his season so God could bring him into his purpose. And in the natural, it just looked all bad. I mean, you, you're you on the run, you considered a murderer, and you're on the run and you have nowhere to go. It's not like today, you know. Uh, so he good, did a good deed and God rewarded him. He, verse 20, he said, then where is he, the father asked, why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. 21. There he's getting ready to be rewarded for his acts of kindness, right? 21. Moses accepted the invitation and he settled there with him. In time, Rule gave Moses' daughter Sephora to be his wife. Later, she gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom for he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. 
We're foreigners. We're just passing through. We're sojourners. This is not our home. Like we understand, don't don't get attached to this world because this is not our home. We're just passing through. 23 it says years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They begin to groan. Some of you might be stuck in situations and you're saying, Lord, help me. When is this going to end? This is heavy. When is this going to be over? I remember when I was in a situation and I would just cry out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, the same way you heard the children of Israel prayers and you delivered them. Lord, I'm praying for you and I need you to show me a way out of Egypt. Egypt meaning bondage. Do you need deliverance for something? What is it? What is it that's holding you back? What is it that causes you to only lift your hand halfway and not all the way? What is it that's keeping you from being able to totally surrender? Maybe you're in an abusive relationship. I don't, I don't know what it is, but what is it? Maybe you're addicted to something and you need an exodus. You need deliverance. You need to be able to see your way out of the situation. But I just want you to know that the same way that the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery, they cried out to help and their cries rose up to God. That's how I'm telling you, I had an exodus experience. I had an, I, I mean, I, I, I would just cry on the inside, Lord, I need to show me a way out. Give me a ex, give me an exodus. The same way you led the children of Israel out of bondage. Give me my exodus. Show me my exodus. Don't miss your exits. Don't miss your way of escape because God always gives us a way of escape. Don't miss your doors of opportunity. Don't miss your exodus. With every temptation, God gives us a way of escape. So people say, you know, God won't put any more on you than you can bear, right? They're really getting that from that scripture where it talks about there's no temptation, which is not common unto man. But with the un with temptation, God will always give us a way of escape. God will give us a way of escape. God will give us a way of escape. Look for your exit and take the exit. Take the exit. All your ducks might not always be lined up in a row because, you know, uh, Moses had to make an emergency exit. He's on the run. He didn't have time to plot and plan and um, pack. For, he didn't have time to pack for the journey. Um, he didn't have no job set up in place. I wouldn't say do this only if the Lord leads you, right? Um, but he just had to flee. He was cast out of that season. <laughs> It wasn't anything planned. He didn't even know anyone saw what he did, right? Um, it's like they cry out for help. And, they, and their, their cries rose to the Lord. And God hears your cries. He hears your cries. He hears your cries for your children's deliverance. He hears your cries for your deliverance. I'm telling you that God hears your cry. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. How many of you know that those prayers that you're praying for your children, those prayers that you're praying for your loved ones, just those prayers that you're praying, period. Even when you go on those prayers, God still has to watch over that word to perform it because God is saying, listen here, I remember the promise that I made with Abraham. I, I'm going to do it because of your mother's prayer. I remember the promise because I told her that if she believed, not only would she be saved. Good morning, Tammy, reading Exodus chapter 2. I told her if she believe not only would she be saved but I would save her entire household and even though she did not live to see the promise 
to to see the promise manifested, I still had to do what I said because he who promised is faithful. So it's that God heard their groaning. He heard their groaning. What are you groaning about? What are you interceding for? What is it that's vexing you? God heard their groaning. He heard they crying out to him, Lord, when will you deliver us from Egypt? When will you deliver us from bondage? When will you deliver me from this abuse? When will you deliver me from this lack? When I don't know what is it. What is it? What is it that makes you groan? That make that just cringes you on the inside? What is it that you're groaning out? You're interceding. You're crying out to the Lord. Well, your prayers have rose before the Lord and he hears the prayers and your day of exodus is near also your day of deliverance is near also it says god heard their groanings and he remembered his covenant promises to abraham